Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. goodness happy patriots day in massachusetts alice happy patriots day and according to jerry callahan and in maine as well did you know that oh but nowhere else it is also marathon monday for us boston marathon is today a kenyan one i think two one as a matter of fact and for the time being a woman won the women's race the russian's were excluded though, so we don't know how it would have turned out. If That's they right. Were <clears throat> and the um, Belarusians, thankfully, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. I, I do stand with Ukraine. If I had run today, I would have worn the gold and blue, just to show people that I stand with Ukraine. I'm now seeing people on the other side politically on Twitter saying, "I stand with Elon Musk." I'm starting to um, feel the need for a galactic nuclear missile to hit this planet and destroy us all. Because we suck so bad, it's incredible, and we should have we should have seen it. Here's my lesson that I've learned, Ellis: mm-hmm. that wacko progressivism doesn't ever get better. It just gets worse. Now you can trap it like a ghost in the Ghostbusters little trap vacuum thing, but it's still going to get worse. It only gets worse. And to bring us back to how things get worse, I'm going to. An article uh, that came out on November 3rd, 2013. And this was one of many opinion pieces solicited by the Boston Globe. And this one was about, because the Red Sox, I guess, on November 3rd, they either were going into, or did they just won the World Series? I guess they had just yeah, won. Yeah, 2013 they did, yeah. So, so this reminds me uh, of Gish Jen, the article that she wrote for the mm-hmm. Globe. She is the novelist, whatever, they brought her in because we had been bombed in the marathon and then, you know, this is our bleeping city, said Ortiz, and particularly, I still think, tasteless, stupid moment. But, you know, it's okay. We were all Boston stronger at that time, which meant mm-hmm. we all sheltered in place while the police um, chased two idiots. 
and but we really all, won by that point. By right, the time but, the we bought, but we bought but we bought t-shirts, and so I, there was a time I saw a woman who was at, laid at least as much as I do in Melrose wearing a way too tiny Melrose Strong shirt, and I thought maybe there's a chance that that the wave motion gun needs to come to our planet and and destroy us. But anyway, <clears throat> this is the same time, of course, when later the next year mm-hmm. somebody had. Um, a shoe store had a a a Mother's Day promotion saying "Mom's the bomb," and right. a bunch of thoughtful people from our hometown then Melrose got together and tried to tell the shoe store, "Please don't do that." You see, we had something called the Marathon bombing here. When you say "bomb," that evokes to us, and so then I thought, you know, once again, the, these are all various chapters of, and thus we need the wave motion gun to fire upon us and destroy us. Mm-hmm. So one of the things was this Gish Gen column from the Boston Globe. The same year of the Marathon bombing, which uh, which a uh, five-year-old was killed in a... Tw- in eight-year-old. Two- he was eight? Okay. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Eight-year-olds were killed, Martin Richard, and two others um, were killed on site, and one died later. And not to mention the, the officer, Collier, who at MIT, who was shot. Anyway, and many people maimed and injured. It was a horrific event. Terrible. So this is the Boston Globe's... <clears throat> reckoning of the entire thing using the Red Sox as an example of the best side of us. These Red Sox are indisputably, irrevocably us. By the way, uh, Red Sox game check, Alice, because I'm supposed to go on the air once the game is over. And the Red Sox, of course, are, this is the fastest game ever known to man. Suddenly games aren't. It's the bottom of the seventh. Damn, man. I'm going to have to bail out of here. Hey, sucks. Can you guys just put up a few runs for frig's sake? But the Red Sox did just put up another run, so it's now 4-2. Okay, let's so go. They could tie it up and have extra innings or I something need a nice and long... save you from having to do your I... radio show yes. today. Let's go. Come on. Uh, the Globe article by Gish Jen in the wake of the marathon bombing, the tragedy, was called These Red Sox Are Indisputably, uh, Irrevocably Us. So let's start. It was like something out of a Midsummer Night's Dream. Some puck went stealing among the socks as they slept, and lo, they woke up changed. What would have happened to me in if I wrote a column for the Boston Herald and I wrote, and lo? <laughs> you would have been ejected from the sixth-story window? Yes. A gentleman named J.C., we'll call him, would have thrown me out of the playcraft window he then would have urinated on me from six stories up. He then would have pushed my desk onto my carcass that was being ravaged by rats, and I would have deserved it. It was something out of a midsummer night's dream. Some puck went stealing among the socks as they slept, and lo, they woke up changed. Those who had been smooth of cheek <laughs> now were strangely bearded. And a team that had hissed like vipers now cooed like doves. In a pit still, not a, not a nest, of course, but never mind. Are you wondering what just happened there? <laughs> a little I bit. don't know. <laughs> they grew those, beards, I got those that. Those have been smooth of cheek. Can't just say they grew beards, of course, because these are really smart people with a lot of degrees here. Guess Jenny's a really smart, thoughtful person. Those who had been smooth of cheek now were strangely bearded. And a team that had hissed like vipers now cooed like doves in a pit still, not a nest, of course, but never mind. So they're if, a pit of vipers, not no, a nest of vipers. No, nothing's happening. 
what me what ne what needs to happen Alice, is a nuclear strike on this country but this was only this is nine years ago this is when we were much less insane but this is what the globe says in since we've come around turn the corner now from the marathon bombing and the red sox won the world series this should be the emphasis in a pit still not a nest of course but never mind for now forsooth <laughs> They who had been a hopelessness itself started to hit and hit and hit. <laughs> Hold on. You, can you feel it for a second? Maybe Gershon should stick to writing columns and not Shakespeare poetry disguised as a column because, I don't know, the genre bending stuff really has to be so perfect to not be, to not come across as so cringy and just awful i i mean because i get what she's trying to do obviously right it is like slightly tongue-in-cheek that she's like doing the shakespeare thing but it's so over the top and yes. like she has having to do so much heavy lifting to like make this connection oh i that uh, yes yes uh, yes i would say so alice this is not seamless this is <laughs> Very excruciatingly painful. It's very laborious. <laughs> Maybe we don't start out with the notion of a Midsummer Night's Dream in mind. Maybe well, yeah, because it's taking a lot to cram your Red Sox column into your Midsummer Night's Dream concept idea that right. you had. Yes. So, right. So this lofty romanticized notion of Midsummer Night's Dream, at some point is going to have to comport with a bunch of idiot jocks. At some point, the two are going to have to meet. Then suddenly they were in the World Series and rising one after another, fantastically to the occasion. Napoli, Gomes, Victorino, Ross, Lackey, Lester, Uiara. This series was about redemption, resurrection, and resilience on so many levels it was hard to take them all in. <laughs> underneath it all though the biggest wreck is res sorry underneath it all though the biggest resurrection was perhaps of boston itself this is getting you notice by the way that like because i'm not really like a sports writer or a sports mm -hmm. journalist i try to avoid writing things or pontificating on like the deeper meaning of sporting events because I really don't have the expertise. Oh, in you're <laughs> missing the points. No, 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 no. Underneath it all, though, the biggest resurrection was perhaps of Boston itself. Hmm. The marathon bombing was a blunt trauma, sure, for which even the fact of crowds gathering without incident was a much needed salve. I love that. The marathon bombing was a blunt trauma, sure. For which even the fact of crowds gathering without incident was a much-needed solve. But it was a trauma, too, that had renewed a special doubt. Mm. For Boston has, after all, always been a city upon a hill. Except... Except that the Red Sox were the last baseball team in the league to integrate. Except that Celtics legend Bill Russell had his house broken into and had his bed defecated on. Except that we all had that trouble around busing. Mm -hmm. And what about our redlining of Jews? 
It's hard not to recall these things and wonder, did we fail the Sarnev somehow? That's what I was uh, thinking. That's what I was thinking. You know, when I saw when the, the bomb, the second bomb go off mm. and the pieces of people fly through the air, I thought, you know what? Redlining. I think we must have failed the culprits. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Did we fail the Sarnev somehow? Now, if I were John Henry of the Red Sox, or Linda Pizzuti, I would say, Gish, maybe that's a column for another day. Maybe we won't blame ourselves for uh, turning the Sarnevs into violent terrorists with uh, just the latest in a long list of uh, horrible legacy uh, events. Right, that... There is no reason to believe are remotely connected to the Sarnay. Well, no, she's she's willing to give you a, a little breathing room, Alice. It's not hard to recall these things and wonder, did we fail the Sarnayevs? And it's not clear that we did. She says, it's not clear that we did. There's some wiggle it's room there. It's not obvious. Yeah, we okay. most likely, I mean, 99.9%, I mean, we did. Obviously, we did. But it's not totally, I mean, there's a little bit of room somewhere out the it's possible that those dirtbags had a tiny bit of agency in the meticulous steps it took to go and pull this thing off. Possibly some of it, the blame goes to them. Most not. Most is redlining, being mean to Jews, uh, all that trouble around busing, she says. Yeah, I'm sure the Saranayevs were really upset about anti-Semitism. Yes, yes, yes. It's not clear that we did... And yet for people who knew Joe Carr especially, who had seen him at school, who had studied and partied and played sports with him, the lurking fear has been that we failed to truly open our hearts, that we accepted him, but only up to a point. Mm. Mm. So true. Only up to a point. Only the point where he got uh, subsidized housing a free, huge education, and um, all the weed he could ever need, some of which may or may not have come from the murdered uh, drug dealers in Waltham. It's not clear that we did. Now, though, above the many miracles of the series looms the figure of David Ortiz. Not just Ortiz the hitting phenomenon, but Ortiz the man and the leader. Ortiz the community supporter. Ortiz the giver of pep talks. Ortiz, the unquestioned team spokesman in the post-game interviews, one native English speaker after another managed to say nothing. <laughs> While Poppy, with his goodly accent... It, by the way, is there a soft racism of condescension happening here? Yeah, I would say... I would say the commentary on his goodly accent yes. is Oof. a little... <laughs> Ortiz... In the post-game interviews, one native spe English speaker after another... In other words, stupid white idiots. Mm -hmm. In the post-game interview, one native speaker after another managed to say nothing much while Poppy, with his goodly accent and his enormous heart... I would say that's a little bit of like playing into a stereotype, too, of like mm -hmm. the... The like simpler person, you know, it took really this gentle giant who, with his goodly accent to really get at oh. what we were all thinking. All the people who seemed so smart, in other words, right. didn't say the words, but, but it was really this not... simple fellow oh, who, yes. who was able to cut to the because, chase. Because not only his goodly accent, Alice, but his enormous heart. Mm -hmm. Enormous heart. Now, 
The other whiteies who spoke, the native English speakers were normal to smaller size hearts. Their hearts were not enormous. Their hearts yeah. were not enormous. The well, white I think English part speakers. of that too, I don't think all of that is a race thing, but I do think there's a size thing happening there too. You remember one time we went somewhere and you met some people I knew and they said to me afterwards that you seemed great and you just seemed like such a uh, teddy bear. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's nothing about you that's like a teddy bear. It's just something people say about bigger... Oh, he's such a big teddy bear. What a guy... Like, you're very un-teddy bear-like. And there's a little bit of a vibe like that about saying, like, he has such an enormous heart about, like, the larger fellow. Is there not? Yes. My people have been dealing with this for years. I know. I have an enormous heart. Um... Uh, where am I? There's this, well, Poppy, with his goodly accent and his enormous heart, said it, said it all, for all of them. And what about the pictures of Poppy with Koji slung over his shoulder, pounding his posterior with joy? <laughs> I would re-workshop the wording going on there. <laughs> Speaking what of what about which- the pictures of Poppy with Koji slung over his shoulder and pounding his posterior with joy? You know, there's a, a value to alliteration. I get it, but we don't pound a posterior in <laughs> in some magazines. Did you, you do. see that there was trending on Twitter today a Zillow listing in which um, the people had in the Zillow listing over the bed in the bedroom a sign that said "Welcome to Pound Town." Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's not an image of a couple of token players of color. This is Poppy and Koji slung over his shoulder, pounding his posterior with joy. That's not an image of a couple of token players of color. That's an image of men at home and free to be themselves. Because <sighs> men at home, really, what they really want to be is pounding each other's posteriors with joy. <laughs> People should just not weigh in on masculinity Our, at all. Yes. They should just stop. Our own socks are now world champs with not one, but two foreign-born MVPs. Oh, they're good MVPs this time. Thank goodness. This time they're good MVPs. Not somebody terrible from Detroit. Oh, God. Now, not one, but two foreign-born MVPs. Koji gave his post-game remarks through a translator, and yet these men are undisputedly, indisputedly, irrevocably us. They are our very heart. They are Boston. Boston. Strong. Correct. <laughs> and Boston proud. Whew, that was heavy. <laughs> Maybe she should avoid proud, too, with the posterior pounding in there. <sighs> no, they were finally being men and being themselves, Alice. So I look at this, and the reason I bring this up, I, I had forgotten, and I probably read it last year or two years ago, I'd forgotten just how good this is. <laughs> but it's so incredible. But this, this psychotic rant, uh, it, it's not just the... Pseudo intellectualism at play. It's not just the um, the uh, failed attempt at being um, of of showing brilliant flourishes of uh, poetic thought that are uh, intertwined with the next one, with mm-hmm. the next one, etc. But the thing it is, is so so pretentious. It is so badly disjointed. It is so badly forced. It is so badly misdirected. It is so ridiculously racist. Absolutely. And insulting and 
to it doesn't create a moral equivalency with us with the Sarnievs. It says that most of us people who look like let's say me are worse than the Sarnievs. Right. We're wor I'm worse than the Sarnievs. I don't have an enormous heart. I have nothing to say when I say stuff. It is absolute total bigotry in in toxicity this thing. But right. then and not to mention it also doesn't actually tie together any of its points. There's like like what did the Midsummer Night's Dream tortured metaphor that was the whole beginning of it what point did that serve towards the uh towards what i guess is the lead which is that having a multi-racial boston red sox somehow uh redeems our past racism as a city that maybe caused the marathon bombing like that's i guess the that's the thesis of the piece I right think if you if so you, what's the if midsummer you put, night's dream if you put part? a midsummer's night's dream in there if you have it with something like out of midsummer night's dream that allows you to continue with some puck went stealing from the socks as they slept and lo they woke up greatly changed that, but how are they... to, that shows her curriculum vitae i think is that what That's that is? telling you that you read. Didn't everybody read him at Summer Night's Stream? I read it in like eighth grade. This is telling and you there's like 500 movies of it. So English classes love it. telling you what you're in for. You're in for some pretty deep literature. Uh -huh. And so if, if you're already stumped after the first sentence, move along. <laughs> this is Cambridge smart we're dealing with here. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but but the, the problem is, is that if this had come out today... Mm -hmm. This is not a standout for today. We are crazier now than this lady. Oh, yeah. That's like it would probably be considered racist by the woke people, too. Right. It's not it's not good. Yeah, it's not good enough. First of all, she's defining men. That is gone. We're not doing there's no such thing as men, you know, in this, and yet these men are indisputably. It's an image of men at home, free to be themselves. Don't take a step back, sister. Who's saying men? There's a single image of men at home, free to be themselves, unless themselves is a pronoun for one of the men. She is not. This is not make it. So that's the problem. That's why we need to be wave motion gunned away from the earth, because this crap, mm -hmm. under the guise of being heavy, uh, poetic, uh, fine wine literature is psychotic rabbit dung. It is. Yeah, it's garbage. It's just, yes, it's just trash. But these And she people, makes a lot of money, I assume, to write course. stuff like that. Uh, yes, that's right. And of course, she was criticized at the time for this. And what was afoot? Oh, I don't know. Why would somebody criticize her at the time for this? Oh, because they were racist and Correct. sexist to her? Correct. Exactly. Oh, God. I forgot that. So there you go. What's the, what's my status, Alice? Well, speaking of... Oh, let me check the game. Eighth inning. Timeout. I show the eighth How are the Sox doing? Did they catch up anymore? No, 4-2. Uh, I don't think they caught up anymore. Yeah, no, they didn't. That's it. Um, so anyway, speaking of Cambridge Smart, a uh, charming book. Uh, I think I sent you the link to it, didn't I? To the book read aloud from Cambridge that I was showing you this morning. Oh, was that this morning? This is, yeah, this is just another example of the uh, the way that we're raising our children nowadays. This was in the Cambridge public schools, and um, once again, I don't know how you would actually 
in a place like Massachusetts. I don't know how you would avoid this for your kids now anymore. Do you want me to start from the very beginning? Um, no, you can skip ahead a little bit. And I might have actually. Oh, I might have already read some of this from my Connecticut show. Um, so just so you know, my biggest problem with these read-alouds, mm-hmm. with the thing that makes me want the Argo to fire the wave motion gun and destroy the Earth. Okay, is what? The sound of the page turning. And they do it so slowly. It, <laughs> <laughs> this is Ruthie. Zooming in. She's a transgender girl. That means when she was born, everyone thought she was a boy until she grew a little older, old enough to tell everyone that she is actually a girl. Girl is Ruthie's gender identity. It it is interesting how it's all the same bullet points, all the same talking points. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the same thing that we read yesterday that we've read. Three days ago, the river. The teacher <laughs> and wherever else was saying the, the other doctor day. makes his educated guess, and sometimes he's right. Yeah, everybody thought once again. We all thought incorrectly. You know, mm-hmm. that's the like reinforced, reinforced, reinforced. This is Ruthie's brother, Xavier. Xavier is a cisgender boy. That means when Xavier was born, everyone thought he was a boy. And as he grew older, it turned out everyone was right. He is a boy. Boy is Xavier's gender identity. Xavier's, by the way, he's got he's holding a little plastic sword. He's got a rubber ducky. He's, he's a floating device. He's running in the house with a rubber ducky thing around him, which is gender neutral, I think. And he's got a boa around his... A, a fabulous scarf around his his neck. So he's expressing himself in several different ways too. Of course, which is fine. There are so many different ways to be a boy or a girl. Too many to fit in a book, but not. This picture that we're on page six or whatever shows. Um, uh, it, it, this is a woke dream. There's a biracial gay couple pushing a something in a stroller. There's um, one of every race walking around. There's a, a white dog with a pink vest. There's a brown dog with no vest. There's two girls on a bike riding together. There's one woman jogging together. Do they have the kid in the wheelchair yet? The book has a wheelchair kid also. Not everyone feels like either a boy or a girl. Non-binary is a helpful word that can describe a kid who doesn't feel exactly like a boy or a girl. I just want to say, listen to the tractor beam. Non-binary is something that for kids who don't feel exactly like a boy or a girl. Yeah. Well, what does a boy, what does a five-year-old feel like a boy exactly on? Yeah. What's no. It? So it gives you, if you're five, how do you know what it feels like right. to be a boy or a girl or whatever? Well, Especially before... A lot of the things that lead you to feel like a boy or a girl, I, I mean, some of them are younger, but a lot of them happen in puberty also. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, you don't expect your five-year-old to necessarily, like, have a conception of manliness until they're maybe a little bit older. 
This is Ruthie's friend Alex. Alex is both a boy and a girl. When Alex was born, everyone thought Alex was a girl, but Alex is both boy and girl. This is Alex's gender identity. So here you go. So Alex is now waving to her friend. Their friend. Their friend. Both of boy and a girl. Uh, is that why they're they? Because they're both? No, they're they because they just chose that. Oh. Uh, because we already kind of do that a little bit. We use that as incorrect grammar in English. People will say like, you know, I saw my friend at their grandmother's house. Even though it should be her grandmother's house or his grandmother's house. You know, we'll sometimes people will sometimes say that incorrectly. Mm-hmm. So they figure that that sounds like more natural than at their grandmother's house for a gender neutral pronoun it's a little easier so she's waving to her friend mm -hmm. who's in the wheelchair so there we go another box is checked hi this is alex's friend jj jj is neither a boy (laughs) what a town this town is a lot of work You know, talk about, like, running across the street. Like, what kind of work do I have to do to deal with this person who's got to be freaking interesting as well? Just don't talk to me, okay? I don't know. So are you neither a boy or a girl or both a boy or a girl? Like, imagine trying to tell little kids this stuff. What a bunch of psychopaths. Truly. Oh, damn it. The twins just got another run. Eighth inning. Dang it. It's five to two. Minnesota... Uh, Twin Cities. Damn it. Okay, so what's the, so what's going on with this book? Uh, they're reading into the little kids in Cambridge, and they're telling them this to explain gender identity, which is exactly, obviously, what people like Ron DeSantis are trying to avoid. And it's crazy to me because, like, all the hypotheticals that. Uh, the anti don't say gay bill people are pushing like, oh, are you trying to ban the kid who has two daddies from being able to say like he and his two daddies went to Canopy Lake Park this weekend or something? Are you trying to stop them from being able to mention their family in kindergarten? No, we're trying to stop this. But they're obviously obviously trying to pretend they're not doing this. So they are playing dumb and acting like you're trying to ban totally normal conversations and not the weird, groomy books they're reading to little kids to ask them about their sexuality. Uh, The book goes on to explain how sometimes you can tell by looking at a baby. It can be a clue to what its gender might be someday, but it really doesn't tell you. See, when you were born, you couldn't tell people who you were and how you felt. They looked at you and made a guess. Maybe they got it right. Maybe they got it wrong. What a baby's body looks like when they're born can be a clue to what the baby's gender will be. But not always. Not always. So that's when people. This is what we're trying to avoid you talking to our kids about, Mm -hmm. by the way liberals if you're confused about what's going on one of the problematic things about this this um insanity Mm -hmm. is that even if is that that this is 
almost completely non-existent. Well, it was almost completely non-existent. Right. Well, but until now, so because there's no clientele for this. Right. They've had to create a universe where everybody gets pressed into it one mm-hmm. way or another. So now there's a clientele for it. Well, so right. So now if you got every six girl now wants to be special and non-binary, well, then there you go. See? So now we have to teach the stuff about making sure people don't kill everybody who's different or in wheelchairs or get married to each other or have a dog with this kind of vest on or whatever. Be- because there's no reason to be t- teaching. This. There's no reason to be teaching this. This doesn't really exist anywhere. It doesn't. Right. There's way more kids who are in school who are probably Christian, whose parents believe Christian things. And you don't see the school reading a book to the kids in the week before Easter about how even framed as like some people believe that. You know what I mean? Like they don't do it as some people believe that, you know, Jesus died on a cross and, you know, saved them from death or something. They're not putting that in the schools. And there would absolutely be a huge outcry if they did. Right. There are way more parents who believe that. I don't know about in Cambridge, maybe not anymore, but I would think there are because there are probably lots of like Latin ex parents and stuff who believe Christian things and who are going to celebrate Easter. Right. Like, so what exactly you can say, like, we're just educating kids about the different types of people that are in the world in a culturally competent way that explains. But they're being extremely selective about which cultures and ideas and belief systems they're culturally uh, educating kids about. They would never they're not teaching kids about even really world religions the closest they get to that is they'll do like in the schools in melrose our kids did some stuff that uh, in the elementary years that was like you know all the different ways people celebrate winter holidays around the world so they like learned about Mm -hmm. a menorah and learned about santa having six white boomers in australia and learned about like but nothing i don't think much jesus played a role in any of it you know what i mean they they're not gonna put anything out there that like could be potentially perceived as going too far in a direction of telling kids about Christianity, certainly. Right. You know, they're not even trying to have like the Halloween celebrations in school anymore or whatever. So, but it's like, so it's really, they're catering to an extremely small minority. Like you're saying when they put this out here and because it does fly in the face of a lot of people's beliefs, like, talk about we talked about the good friday thing and the jewish parents saying that having good friday off school makes their kid feel less than like if we're telling our kids at home that we don't believe this how does that make them feel when you teach them this in the classroom does that make them feel less than or does this somehow different yeah great point the schools are no longer welcoming to people who have certain core fundamental religious beliefs Right, in the, in the, in to read this stuff to a five... What this is doing is giving a five-year-old a thousand different avenues to play the make-believe game that they want them to. Right. And to feel good about it and happy, jump along, and really special and more special, as a matter of fact. Right. This is just encouraging kids to play this fantasy game. And that's weird and dangerous. And obviously, they need more kids playing in the fantasy game because they want to move the entire agenda, agenda along. Well, and, right. I mean, and but you, you just as easily could have furries in this. I mean, I assume they're going to. Right. As a matter soon. of fact, I just looked to see if there's a 
if there's any kids' books about furries. Mm-hmm. I just found this book, Raising My Furry Children, Tracy Aarons, which thankfully is about her pets. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, and we have a friend who told us about somebody in their town, a kid at the school is now identifying as a tree and going by elm. That's great. So before that, I mean, like I don't know. Is but, there any chance that any of these kids can identify with something that will shut the hell up? <laughs> I don't think so. Can the but elm shut up? I was thinking about this too because I was watching that video again of the superintendent yesterday from last year in Ludlow, where the parents are suing because the school fired the teacher who informed them about their kids' new pronouns. Um. That I was thinking because the the superintendent is saying like we need to support our kids however they identify and whatever they say about themselves regardless of you know and this is the only safe place for these students etc etc and I was just like thinking that's such a wild thing to say like that anything a student says like we have to support what they say they identify as and. I might have said this like as a joke a year ago, but now I actually think I'm not quite joking. But like, what if the student comes and says they identify as somebody who doesn't do homework assignments anymore or something? Right. Which seems like a a joke and a stretch until you remember that they really are pushing these like math curriculums that say like objective answers aren't part of some cultures and stuff. So what if you go to the school and you say, you know what, like I'm actually a pagan and I don't identify with these black and white ideas about math. So making me do like uh, pre-algebra is actually against my uh, cultural identity and I can no longer do it. Some whacked thing like that. They're, I mean, what will the school say? What recourse right. does the school have what when they've this... said, we have to accept everything every 11-year-old says about themselves. Everything every kindergartner right. says about themselves. When they come to school and say they're a unicorn, what what are you supposed to say to them? Because you've set up a premise that we need to take everything that every child says as actual real reality about them as a person. Right. Anything, you can use the unicorn thing and it would apply to every part of this book. That nobody who's a believer in this book's madness can say, oh, gets real. Come on now. You're not a uh, nine iron. Come on. You're not. They, they, they can't, they will not have the intellectual ground to stand on to, to argue that some things aren't okay and you're just kidding. Because by their assumption, by them saying that, by their rules, that would be you making them unsafe. And unheard and unseen. Well, right. It would have a lot. Their their outrage at the idea that, you know, you could identify as somebody who doesn't do homework or like that you're making these jokes about it or whatever. It would go a lot further if they hadn't treated the idea that we would have men winning championships in women's sports. If they hadn't laughed at that a few years ago and said, come on, be real be realistic like there's no such thing as slippery slopes that will never happen etc 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 right so their credibility is shot because they've proven themselves absolutely willing to turn around and support things they told you last year were ridiculous Mm -hmm. stretches of the imagination that's absolutely true i i don't know where this goes but i assume that's how it it just it fizzles out the the problem is that it's already institutionalized You've got right. these big uh, organizations like the um, uh, Stonewall Educational Outfit thing that greenlights all this curriculum, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you're going to have to fight these battles in every single school district. Right. And they're going to fight. 
And they, they because for some reason this stuff is wrapped around uh, the gay and lesbian gay rights movement, which it should not be. Mm-hmm. It should not be. You know, little Emma is not a demisexual, both sex person just because she decides to. Chad, the 24 guy living in P-Town with his boyfriend who is romantically involved with his boyfriend who is absolutely another man, he is indisputably a gay man. And if not, he is, um, he thinks he is. Right. I mean, that's the thing is that they've now stretched the definition of all these, quote, communities so much that there's like, there's no reality to any of it anymore. And and it's incredible, the whole thing that... Uh, I mean, they act like it's not happening and that you're crazy for saying it's happening. No one's teaching CRT to children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the in DeSantis in Florida, his like board, his education people, the textbook people in Florida, whatever uh, committee it is that decides that just threw out like 40 percent of the textbooks from being approved that applied because uh, the math curriculum they were saying had CRT and everyone on Twitter was going what CRT there's no critical race theory in the <laughs> math textbooks don't be ridiculous but then you can go through and you can look and see what they're teaching in these math classrooms there's one about you know Maya Angelou in the in the math curriculum and you know, the sexual assault in the math curriculum. It's like crazy stuff, right? And it absolutely does exist. And they'll turn around and tell you, like, uh, they'll tell you they're not teaching CRT in the schools or there's no CRT in the math books and that we're all crazy for imagining it. And But then you read what they're actually teaching and you're like, I don't know what you want to call it, but this right. thing that this... I've been calling CRT, that's what I don't want taught. Right. Uh, do we have emails to read from yesterday? Uh, Yes. Uh, By the way, there's breaking news, Allison. You may or may not have seen here. Uh, Yes, indeed. By by the way, uh, Twins just had a big inning. Four more runs, so it's 8-2 in the bottom of the eighth. Um, Here is the breaking news is the following. A judge has just held the um, federal mask mandate, travel mandate. Hold on, sorry. I just had it open, but why would it stay open? Because why would you do that? Mask, okay. Uh, CDC mask mandate for travelers struck down by federal judge. Just in, federal judge strikes down the CDC's mask mandate for travel on planes and other forms of public transportation. What is that going to mean? And uh, yeah, what exactly is it? Just um, is it going to not be in effect now? Is this the permanent ruling? What is okay. this? Okay, You grab those emails and I'll read this. A federal judge in Florida struck down on Monday the Biden administration's mask mandate for airplanes and other public transport methods. Catherine Kimball Mizell said the mandate was unlawful because it exceeded the statutory authority of the U.S. CDC and because its implement- implementation violated administrative law. Well, all right, that doesn't help me very, very much. So does that mean as of right now? Is that sayonara? Um, failure to... I'm trying to look at the decision. Um, you looking for emails. I'll look at the decision. I already have the email ready to go. Um, the court vacates the mandate and remands it to the CDC. That sounds like it's not in effect anymore. So somebody says, uh, Gunny Rebozo says on Twitter, Actually, it's a win for the virus. 
Another person says, thanks, dude. My mom is a senior with serious health issues. The mask mandate has been the only thing allowing me to visit them without placing her in danger. Shut up. God, shut up, you dummies. Another person, this is horrible news. God. You can still wear a mask, you know, you right. guys. You're allowed to. Go for it. Wear five masks if you want. It's up to you. Have a good time. These same people want to shut you into your house and kill your pet like they're doing in Shanghai. They would if they could, 100%. They're for that. So Correct. Oh, man. These people. Shut up. All right, Alice. Um... Uh, you got anything? Oh, you, you find those emails? I'm going to read you the oh, email. Please read the emails. From our listener. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Carrie in Winchester says that she visited the Winchester Stop and Shop where she noticed the latest cover girl of Closer Magazine while she was checking out Terry Gar in her heyday. Ooh. I don't know how you managed to Very stay one nice. step ahead of all the hot stories. Uh, and then she talks about how the new lesson plans in New Jersey... She downloaded the curricula for the gender lesson plans in New mm -hmm. Jersey that are now in the state. And she said there's a lesson plan that was in the same Dropbox called My Body is My Body for Grade 1. The description says this lesson is for lower elementary students and defines what sexual abuse is and identifies behaviors that a child would want to bring to the attention of a trusted adult in order to get help. <laughs> and then they say that it's appropriate to have the six-year-old's role play in a classroom setting about sex abuse. Divide the class into pairs. Once they're in pairs, explain that they are each going to be asked to pretend they're someone else. One person is going to pretend to be a young person about their age, and the other person is going to be a trusted adult. Tell them they will each get a chance to play each role, but they should decide who's the grown-up first and who's going to be the young person. What the frig? Once they've decided, explain to the student playing the young person they should pretend a different adult touched them in a way that made them feel uncomfortable, and tell the student pretending to be the trusted adult that they should respond to their partner in a way they think would make them feel good about coming to them. Explain that the pair should have a conversation, not just state that this happened and then respond. Ask them to talk together until you've called time, about two minutes. Answer any questions and ask them to get started. Uh... There is also a lesson called the Circle of Life, also for grade one, that instructs teachers to define reproduction to six-year-olds, and one called Understanding Our Bodies that has a lesson for second graders about body parts. And the lucky seven-year-olds get introduced to specific words. What is this from again? Chooses. This is from the New Jersey gender curriculum. Oh, my goodness. And she says hang they took their second, kids Alice, out of the one, public schools. One second. Guys, mm -hmm. hang on one second. Hold on. Sorry about that. It was a kid check. It's whatever. It's all right, Alice. Um, I, I'm I'm I gotta get ready for my uh, show now. I know. The Red Stockings are having the quickest game ever known to man in the history of the United States and America. So thank you so much for listening. You can check out Tom on WTIC 1080. You can in uh, the Hartford, Connecticut area. You can also find us always on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, <laughs> Burn Barrel Podcast.com. You can check out all the different places where you can listen, all the podcast apps, uh, YouTube, Rumble. You can send us an email if you see something crazy in your kid's school or we need to check out your school committee meeting. Uh, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.